0: says sing like never before oh my soul i started thinking about that as we were singing that and i started wondering to myself we we see the words on the screen and we hear the melody so naturally we repeat those words we say sing like never before oh my soul i'm not going to sing for y'all you don't want to hear that i promise you every one of y'all will leave but sing like never before oh my soul I thought about that, and, and, and how many of us sitting in here, as we sang those words, can honestly say to ourselves, don't, don't indicate it to me, this is just something to think about, can honestly say, when you were singing, you were singing like never before, worshiping his holy name. Sometimes we get so used to singing songs and lyrics and pretty melodies that we Forget about the meaning that's within those lyrics. And are we singing them just to blend in with the crowd? Or do we mean it with our entire heart that as we are gathered to worship the one true God who receives us simply because we draw near to him? Just something I thought about as we were singing that today. Well, again, before we get started, I, I want to welcome all of you. It's so good to, to see everybody Um, It's so good to see some faces, hadn't got to see in a while. I'm just, I'm glad you're here today. I'm just glad you're here. We have been in the holiday season, which has been a crazy time of year for everybody who had a crazy holiday season. Raise your hand. Everybody? Good. We're all in this together. Just remember that. Crazy holiday season. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at faith. The first week, we after the birth of Jesus, we looked at the faith of Joseph in, in the gospel accounts. And then last week, we looked in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. That entire section in Hebrews chapter 11 is something that's commonly referred to as the hall of faith. You know, like in football, we have the hall of fame. In the Bible, this is the hall of faith. This is, you know, where we see all these big names and all these amazing things that God has done. And last week, we started out looking at the first seven verses of that. We saw how by faith, we understood that God created the universe through his spoken word. And then we also looked at a couple of figures, Abel and Enoch and Noah. We remember that by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. And he was commended as righteous for it. And we also read about Enoch who walked so closely with God that one day he was walking with God and then all of a sudden he wasn't here anymore because God took him up from the earth. We learned that it's impossible to please God without faith. And Enoch pleased God because of his faith. And then we also considered uh, Noah, who Noah was told to build the ark. There was this impending doom that was coming. And by faith, Noah obeyed and built the ark and saved himself and his entire family. And he received the righteousness that is by faith. We considered what faith was. Faith in Hebrews, according to Hebrews 11, chapter 1, the definition that we saw was, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. It's the proof in the pudding, basically. It's the way, the method, the channel that God uses to bless us and bring his blessings into our lives. And we also saw that by faith, this is how the people of old received their commendation. This is basically how these people got into the hall of faith, how God spoke well of them, was by faith. It was because of their faith. That's the the starting point. So that's where we were last week. And this week, we're going to continue to see a pattern in the scripture. We're going to hear the words, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. I think it's a very appropriate title for this little series to say it's by faith. As we look at today, we're going to look at Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's the main thing. But last week, we focused on how faith is what makes us righteous. There's nothing that makes us righteous besides faith, because Romans 3.20 actually tells us that by works of the law, no one will be made righteous. That's not what the law is for. The law is to show us our sin. It is the grace of God that makes us righteous by faith. That's what we kind of focused on last week was our righteousness by faith. But this week, as I kept reading and seeing these things, you see that it's not just this one person that's blessed by their faith. That, yes, they are counted righteous, and that's typical of our Western American cultures to kind of focus on this person, me, 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 me. We focus on ourselves, We're not as community or or society-oriented as this culture was back in the Scriptures. But as I kept reading this, I couldn't help but notice how, yes, it made them righteous, but it was also the way that God blessed everybody else in the future generations following them. You see, because your faith was never meant to come to you and stop. Your faith is always meant to come to you to save you, and to go through you to become a blessing to other people. In fact, that's what God actually promises to Abraham whenever he first makes a covenant with Abraham. We remember that God called Abraham. Last summer, we did a series for several weeks. God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he said, through you, all peoples will be blessed. Abraham, the man of faith. It's through him all peoples will be blessed. Your faith is not meant to just come to you, save you, and stop. It does save you. But your faith is meant to come to you and then go out through you. To everyone else, especially future generations to come. We're going to see that theme today as we go through uh, verses 8 through 22. I'm going to read quite a lengthy passage here, so just hang tight. We'll get through the, the big brunt of the scripture, because I think it helps us to read the entire passage at once before we go through and try to break it down verse by verse. I think that's very helpful for us. So if you have your, your Bible, or if you just want to follow along on the screen, we're going to begin reading in Hebrews 11, beginning in, verses, beginning in verse 8 through 22. Hebrews 11, 8 through 22. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place Not having received the thing's promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones." What a great testimony. Now, there's a lot in there. We're going to cover all of that today, I promise. It's only going to take me three and a half hours. Just hang tight. We'll be in and out of here before you know it, okay? No, I, I joke, I kid. But beginning with Abraham here today, I, I love how the author chose to go all the way back to our earliest ancestors, starting with Abel, Enoch, Noah, because we also see all these different things, that, the ways that faith lives out. You know, the way faith was lived out in Abel, please God, and he was counted righteous, was not the same way that faith was lived out with Enoch, right? Abel made a sacrifice. Enoch walked with God and was taken from the earth. Same thing with Noah. Noah was told to build a boat. Abraham was told to leave his country. It's, it's funny, the, the, the way God deals with each of these people is very specific, very individual. It's not a one-size-fits-all God does not have the same exact calling and mission and purpose for every single one of us aside from the gospel itself. That is to believe the gospel and share the gospel. But as far as the details of your life, he's very specific in his calling for each and every one of us. The faith, how it's lived out, is going to look different in your life than it is from my life. And that's okay. It'd be very boring if all of you looked like me. It wouldn't look too good. Promise you big thing i have on that is when 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 we talk about peoples what god is calling you to you might think god's calling you to something ordinary and mundane or it's not holy let me tell you this everything in life was meant to be sacred there's no such thing as sacred versus secular no such thing everything in life was a calling from god and is meant to be for god to worship god to honor god in your job in your home with your friends everything you do is meant to be sacred unto god everything so the way god calls you and that's what we're going to look at today god called these people and you might say god didn't call me to move to a foreign land god didn't call me to make a big boat god didn't call me to do those things but he is calling you to do things I can promise you God is calling you to do things every single day. You might think these don't measure up, but I'm going to show you exactly, in all honesty, we can follow in their footsteps, and we're supposed to. Beginning with Abraham, verses 8 through 10, said that by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. We remember that God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 he said I want you to leave your father's house this land this country this people that you know and go to a land that I will show you a lot of us would be like okay if God called me to do something that's fine as long as he shows me the entire plan that's not what God did with Abraham God called Abraham said hey pack it up you're going to a new place okay God where I'll show you okay cool God where I'll show you. Uh, What? But by faith, Abraham obeyed. He picked up, left everything behind. That was his entire life that he knew. He grew up in his, his father's house. That was everything he had was there. And he left every bit of that behind because God said, I want you to go where I want you to go. I have big plans for you. Why don't you leave this, this small town stuff behind, this, this, this nothingness, and go where I have you? Well, what's so different about the land? He was still over there in the Middle East. The land didn't look very much different. It was wild, unsettled territory wherever they were. What's the big deal? The difference is, is that that's where he was, and this is where God was calling him to. That's the difference. And by faith, Abraham obeyed, and he went and lived like a stranger. Went and lived in in tents. Went and lived in... And Abraham was a wealthy man. We know this. He had servants. He was able to raise up warriors whenever he had to go out and fight. Abraham left a life of comfort to go follow God and go wherever he showed him throughout the land. Because God made a promise to him. And Abraham believed God and looked forward to that promise. And this man... As we see, he went from his father's land, from Ur I think it was Ur, yeah. Went from Ur, that's a weird thing to say, to go to the land of Canaan. And this affected his entire family to come after that. If we remember, Abraham was 75 years old, had no children, had a barren wife, 75 years old. God's done with people after the age of 65, right? Isn't that true in American society? You're done at 65, 63 if you were smart with your money and get to retire early. God's done with people at that time. You don't have anything left to offer. That's not entirely true. That's not true at all. But his faith, his obedience to go and to live and to do exactly what God called him to do, as crazy as it may sound, is exactly what God was looking for. And that affected the future generations. He would have a son, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, Jacob down to Joseph, and we'll talk about these people today and how it actually leads us to the, the, some of the greatest stories in Scripture. What God is calling you to is not just about you. You might think this is just God calling me, God challenging me, God maturing me, God growing me. Yes, he's doing those things, but it's also for the sake of others, especially those within your immediate family. Continuing on, looking at the the next person. We have Sarah. We come to Sarah in this. Remember his wife. By the time she is about to conceive, she's, what, 90 years old? Ladies, y'all don't have to tell me how impossible that is. Right? But by faith, she received the power to do that which is impossible. Show of hands, how many of y'all would like To receive the power to do something impossible in your life how many of you have 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 just some kind of miracle in your life some kind of want or desire something a situation in your life that you are just praying and praying and praying god just this one thing just this i know it's impossible i just this is one thing god how many of you would love to receive the power to change that to have god bring life into something that's completely dead How many of us actually live by that kind of faith? It's happened. You can read about it. It's happened multiple times in the scripture. But yet, do we live that way? Do we live as if God still brings life where there's death, where God brings reality into impossible situations? That's the God we serve. And the key to it, the key is this, that she considered the one who made the promise to be faithful. Remember the three visitors came and visited her and Abraham at the tents that day and she went and, and helped them, you know, got them the food ready and she was listening by the door of the tent whenever God said, I'm going to visit you this time next year. You're going to have a son and she giggled. And then God said, oh, you're funny. I'm going to name the kid Laughter, Isaac, which means laughter. Because some of us, even when I asked you to think about an impossible situation, You brought something to mind and said, God will never fix that. Who said that to you? Unless God himself comes and tells you, I'm not fixing that, you need to keep hoping and believing that God can bring life to that situation. Until he tells you it's done, don't you stop believing for that. And because of her faith, because she considered him to be faithful, not her circumstance, she's 90 years old. She's way beyond childbearing. But she considered him to be faithful. It's about the one who makes the promise, not the circumstance. And because of that, through a man who was as good as dead, as the scripture says, his descendants are numbered as the stars in heaven and the grains of sand on the shore. By faith. By faith, God took a barren couple and multiplied them exponentially. Wouldn't it be amazing to see that dead situation in your life. That situation you hope for. That impossible situation. Wouldn't it be amazing to see God bring exponential life into that. And to change it for generations to come. God created an entire nation through a barren man and woman. Because of their faith. Looking back here, we come to a section here which talks about how these died in the faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, as we consider them, you know, they never got to see the fullness of the promise. God made a promise to them saying that through your offspring, I will give, I will give this land, I will give this land to your offspring. Abraham never got to see the day of Jesus in the way the people did at the time of this writing. Abraham never got to see the ministry of Jesus. He never got to see Jesus dying on that cross, but he looked forward to God fulfilling his promise to him. We we looked at how, whenever we went through that series, how Jesus is the fullness of all those promises God made to Abraham and to Sarah, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joe, to everyone. Jesus is the fullness. All those promises are shadows that lead back to him. And these people, they waited upon God. They hoped in his promises. Knowing that this world, this land, this circumstance, what you're dealing with right now is not your home. But God himself is your home. And he has prepared a place for you. And he is not ashamed to be the God of those who hope in him. Who will dwell with him. As we look at uh, verse 17, we come back to Abraham again. Abraham gets kind of mentioned twice because he's he's the father of faith. He's kind of like the main guy. I don't know if we'd call him Michael Jordan or LeBron James of faith. Y'all could debate about who's better on that. I don't want to start a riot in here, Michael Jordan. Um, Worth mentioning twice. But Abraham, by faith, again, by faith, by faith, when he was tested, offered up his beloved son. You know, a few weeks ago, somebody asked, we were talking about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, and somebody asked, I can't remember who it was, when was the first time love is specifically mentioned in the Bible? When was the first time? And I was like, I don't know, I don't know that kind of Jeopardy trivia when it comes to scripture, but my dad went and looked it up, and then he texted me uh, either that night or something like that, or maybe it was my mom, I can't remember what they were talking about. They texted me and said it was actually This section in scripture, when God says to Abraham, take your only son whom you love. And I thought, wow. The first time God mentions love in the Bible, he's talking about an only son who's loved given as a sacrifice. And if that doesn't point to Jesus, I I mean, I can't make it any more obvious than that. But God God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you a son in your old age, and I'm going to fulfill all of my promises through this lineage. And then God told Abraham when he was a young man, he said, all right, you're going to offer him to me as a sacrifice. And we might think, why would God ask for that? Why would God ask for him to give up his, his only son? It seems a little brutal. It seems a little uncaring. But the truth is, is that number one, that son came from God. God said, I'm going to fulfill my promises through him. God was testing Abraham. Will you withhold anything from me? Even your only son whom you love, whom all of your hopes and promises and everything you hope for is going to come through him. Will you give him up to me? And Abraham did. Abraham was willing to make that sacrifice because the scripture says that he considered that God was able to raise him from the dead. You want to talk about impossible faith. God fulfilling a promise and keeping a promise through a dead son. But Abraham believed God can do anything. And if God said, I'm going to give you that son, and I'm going to fulfill my promises through that son, Abraham considered, even if I sacrifice that son, God will still keep his word. When I think about that, I start thinking about, is there anything in my life that I'm withholding from God? Everything you have is from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, according to the scriptures. Everything you have is God's. How could we hold back anything from him? Well, God asks us to go serve and asks us to give our time. You say, well, I don't have time. All the time you have is from God anyway. It's his. God asks you to give money. He leads you to go give. And you're like, oh, I really don't want to give all that. God, do you realize how much money? That's a big chunk of my change. It's all his money. If God gave you that, you don't think he can give you more? You think he's short of money? Are you withholding anything from God because you're afraid that once you give that up, that's all you got? God's not a scarce God. He's in need of nothing. He's a bountiful God that pours out grace upon grace us. Abraham knew that no matter what, God would keep his promise. And because of that, that's the faith that God chose to bless and to bring his only son through. He saw that Abraham would not withhold his only son from him and so God said I'm going to give my son through you. It was his faith to trust God to keep his promises no matter what was going on and through that that's the whole reason that you and I are forgiven today because of people like Abraham who trusted God then we come to Isaac in verse 20 and jacob in verse 21 the the way i always remember the family lineage here is abraham isaac and jacob abraham down to isaac his son remember isaac's the one that almost got offered up and again that must have been a weird day going home after all those events i can't imagine the conversation i can't imagine the conversation whenever that especially when they got back to the tent and sarah was like your father tried to do what now, sometimes some kids, you know, sometimes we'd be okay with that. But, but Isaac, I love this. Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. I'm not gonna get into Jacob and Esau. Let's just say, man, when you read the scriptures, you're gonna find out there ain't no perfect people in this world. And even amongst the heroes of the faith, when it comes to 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 Jacob and Esau. I mean, truth be told, Esau was the better brother. Jacob was a shyster. He was a trickster. And yet, that's the one God chose to bless. It's interesting that God doesn't require perfect people. But he invoked future blessings on them. And then when he found out some tricks had happened, he still blessed the other brother. And I ask you this, parents... Are we invoking future blessings on our children? And I mean that different from interceding for them. Here's what I mean by that. Interceding for my, my, uh, my son. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you will protect Carter, help him with this, help him with that, provide that for him, yada, yada. I'm interceding on his behalf. I'm going to God on his behalf. He's my son, I'm going to represent him. I'm asking for him. But speaking blessings over him. When I say to him that you're the blessed of God, you're, you're the favorite of God, you are beloved by God the Father. God the Father loves you more than I ever will. He gave his only son so that he could make you his perfect righteous son of his own. You speak blessings over your children. And my kids are real good kids, so it's easy for me to speak blessings over, but speaking blessings over the kids that, when you look at it, like I mentioned earlier, we got a dead, impossible situation. Oh, that could never be fixed. God could never bring life into that. Let me tell you what. God has saved much worse people than your lost and estranged son or daughter will ever be. There's nobody beyond God's saving power. And if you've got a son, a daughter or a cousin, a a sister, anybody. Just like our heroes of faith, you ought to be speaking God's blessings over their life, invoking future blessings for them to walk into. We're supposed to do that for each other. And and even see this, it's not just for parents to do, but it's also for grandparents. When we look at Jacob, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, Jacob had all the sons who... Betrayed their brother Joseph. They sold Joseph into slavery. Joseph was a slave, got to Potiphar's house, got falsely accused, got thrown into jail, interpreted some dreams, got raised up to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. And a famine came and his brothers came looking for some grain. And he provides it for his family. And he even tells him, he says, well, you intended for evil, God intended for good. And then the famine continues, and he invites his entire family to come into this land. And near the near his father's death, his father blesses his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, okay? Speaks God's blessings, including them in the tribes of Israel. And what we're supposed to take from that, grandparents, is you're supposed to be speaking blessings over the next generation and the generations to come. By faith, you can invoke the blessings of God on your children and grandchildren. Did you realize that? You can invoke those blessings on them and you're supposed to. We're shown to do that in Scripture. Our faith is not just supposed to stop with us but to carry on through each generation of our family and then finally we're going to come to joseph here the very end we already mentioned his life real quick i think this is interesting as well we see another example joseph towards the end of his life he mentions he reminds the people of the coming exodus, right? He brought them into the land of Egypt, out of the land of Canaan during famine. He brought them in, but Joseph never forgot about God's promises. Joseph had gone through a terrible time in his life, never forgot about God's promises. Then he gets raised up to the seat of comfort in his life. He's living in the palace. He's second in command only to Pharaoh, but he's got it going on. He's got the good life. He can provide for all the members of his family and their kids and their kids' kids and kids' kids. This is good stuff. Let's just stay here forever. It's good, right? If it's good, that must mean it's God. But Joseph remembered, this is not our home. Egypt is not the land that God had promised to us. Even though it's full of blessings and all this right now, this is not our home. This is not our promise. He reminded them, God is going to keep his promise to you. God is going to take you from where you are and bring you into the promised land. And even more than that, he gave him instructions on what to do with his bones. He said, and by the way, when you go, take my bones with you. I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. Joseph's faith saved an entire nation. Because he chose to be faithful when his brothers betrayed him. He chose to be faithful when he was falsely accused. He chose to be faithful when he could have struck down all his brothers that so many years ago betrayed him. But instead, he did what God would have done. Took care of them, received them, cared for them, but reminded them, as good as this is right now, you might be living the good life at the moment. But that does not replace the promises of God to come. This world and this comforts of this world are not our home. God himself is our home. And by faith, Joseph knew that and reminded them for future generations, a day is coming when God's going to take you to the promised land. Believe it. So let's consider how we can follow in these footsteps of all these great men and women when it comes to Abraham, God has called you to live set apart from this world. As his people, you are called to be his own possession. You're not, li- you're not to be like this world, conformed to the pattern of this world, but you are called to be transformed, to be set apart for him and him alone in this world. As Sarah, we are called to believe in the promise maker The circumstances around us do not decide our outcome. God decides our outcome. And what he has said, what he has promised, will stand even when all this world fades away. We are called to believe in the promise maker. And again, with Abraham, we're called not to withhold anything from God. This is all his. If you have breath in your lungs right now, it's on loan. One day he's going to call it from you. Everything is his. Everything in your life is his. And it's meant for his glory and your good. Isaac and Jacob, as faithful people, we are supposed to reproduce that faith. When God put... Man, Adam and Eve in the garden, he told them, be fruitful and multiply. He tells us as saints to do the same thing in a spiritual way, to be fruitful and multiply and to spread the gospel, especially to our own family. We are to invoke blessings on our children and their children and their children and their children. And their children. Your job is to be praying for your kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. And, their kids. and finally, finally, We can all be like Joseph and tell everyone of God's promises to come, what has come and what is still coming. I want to leave you with this, that true faith always leaves a legacy of faith. That true faith always leaves a legacy of faith. It's not a legacy of how great you were. It's not a legacy of how smart you were or how much you accomplished. It's a legacy of how God can take people who don't deserve anything and bless them beyond all understanding. It's about how God can take what is dead and bring it to life. How God can take nothing and make it everything. And how God can bless you for generations and generations and generations and generations to come. Wouldn't you like to know that your great, 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 great grandbabies are faithful followers of Christ. Because in that chain of family, you stood by faith. And pointed to the promises of God and called them to believe, even before they were ever born, before you ever knew any of them would ever come. That's your calling. True faith leaves a legacy of faith for future generations. Your faith was never meant to stop at you, but it was meant to go through you and to the world. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this word that we ha- have read and, and studied and looked at and considered today. God, we thank you for the examples that you've given us through Abraham, through Sarah, through, through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And God, I thank you as I look at this that I don't see a bunch of perfect people that I could never live up to being like. I'm not perfect, none of us are perfect. I could never live up to a perfect standard, especially like your son, Jesus. But I can have faith. I can walk by faith, God. I can hear your calling and respond. I can believe in you, the promise maker. I can invoke future blessings on my children and grandchildren. And I can tell the world of all of your good word, all of your good works, all of your good promises, God. By faith, I can walk in the footsteps of our ancestral heroes. I can have the faith of Abraham. I can have the faith of Sarah. I can have the faith of Isaac. God, you you gave us these examples, not just to look at and commend and say, wow, weren't they great, but to look at and say, I'm gonna walk in that too. I'm gonna have that kind of faith, even though it's impossible, even though it's dead, and even though it can't happen. I'm gonna walk in the faith because I believe in you. I trust in you, Father, not circumstances. I trust in you. I pray, God, that you would stir that up in each and every one of us. Give us sight that looks beyond this world and situations and circumstances and give us sight that can only see your son, Jesus, and all the power he has. God, I pray that you would stir us up as a people to believe in impossible things, to believe in your promises and to take you at your word trust you, even when it's hopeless, I pray that you would stir up our faith to supernatural levels, that we would see you come through in ways that we could just be amazed and say only God could ever do this. Look at how God is. Look how powerful he is, how good he is. I pray you would stir that in each and every one. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we pray all this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus, amen.